this is Parshas, Parshas Bahar, the mitzvah of Shemitah, mitzvah of the sabbatical year, when every seven years in Eretz Yisrael, they're not allowed to work the land at all. His famous Rashi, the, the Torah portion begins by that Moshe, Hashem spoke to Moshe Bahar Sinai at the mountain of Sinai, and he gave him the mitzvah of Shemitah. So a very famous Rashi, Rashi poses the question, why does it tell us over here that God told this to Moshe at Har Sinai, Mount Sinai? The entire Torah was given at Mount Sinai. So Rashi teaches us that just like Shemitah was given with all of its details, all the specifics regarding the mitzvah of Shemitah at Mount Sinai, all the other mitzvahs also are given with other details at Mount Sinai too. In other words, Torah specifies the idea over here by Mitzvah Shemitah that was given at Mount Sinai to teach us that the Torah in its entirety was given to Moshe at Mount Sinai. Mind you, Moshe didn't give it to the Jewish people at that point necessarily. That was given to them over the course of the 40 years in the desert. But Hashem told Moshe when Moshe went to climb the mountain for the 40 days after receiving the Torah, he told him all the details and of all the mitzvahs that were, were given in all, their, in all the specific details. The question can be asked, why is it that specifically the mitzvah of Shemitah was chosen as the example of a mitzvah that was given at Mount Sinai? Could have said any other mitzvah too. Could have said God, God gave Moshe the mitzvah of Shabbos or a mitzvah of Tefillin at Mount Sinai. Why does the Torah specify the mitzvah of Shemitah? As an answer to this question, commentaries say an interesting idea. Unfortunately, over the course of time, there have been critics of the Bible that have claimed that different parts of the Bible may not have been given by God, Khalilah. Meaning to say, over the course of time, people have said they have different types of editions and were made by, written by different types of authors over the course of time. The mitzvah of Shemitah, in many ways, debunks that theory. The mitzvah of Shemitah is given to the Jewish people that every seven years, they're supposed to let the land lay fallow. Now, perhaps in modern agricultural techniques, we know that it's important every once in a while, they have crop rotation every once in a while, they leave, leave a land, leave a certain piece of land fallow, they don't let it, they don't grow anything on that piece of land or they don't grow a specific crop on it, they different crops, so as not to draw all the nutrients from the ground. But nevertheless, the midst of Shemitah, that the entire land has to lay fallow for an entire nation for an entire year, that's something that nobody ever practices. And there, that, that takes a tremendous amount of strength of faith in Hashem in order to be able to do something like that. The Torah itself tells us, V'chisomer, lest the person say, What am I going to eat? If the land lays fell and everybody, can't, everybody puts down their farming utensils, what are we going to eat for an entire year? Crop potation is very good. Maybe you don't grow a certain crop this year, or grow a different crop. Or maybe you don't grow a certain part and other parts you could grow. But let everything lay fell at the same time how am I going to be able to feed my family? Now the Torah tells us that Hashem promises the Jewish people, don't worry. I will instruct my bracha. I promise you that the year before the Shemitah, your, produce, your crop will yield a bounty crop. It will be enough to carry you through, not only through that year, but the following year until you're able to plant in the eighth year. And that's something which is a powerful idea. Had the Torah been written by any human being, no human being would ever have made such a promise like that. 
Certainly, you want to say you can do keep Shabbos, make a beautiful thing. Maybe this mitzvah, that mitzvah. Perhaps somebody might have any any intelligent human being perhaps could have written something along those lines. But to tell people something which is so illogical, don't work your crops at all, and don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. I promise you that your crops will yield a bountiful crop the year before the Shemitah year. That's something no human being could ever promise. And if, if he did make a promise like that, he knows the first time the Shemitah comes around and nothing happens in the sixth year, then all of his, the whole thing is debunked. Everybody realizes that there's, there's no truth to this at all. The Torah goes out on a limb and tells us, Hashem says, don't worry about it. Only Hashem would have made such a promise like that. No human being would ever have made a promise like that, knowing fully well that it, they could be, it can, he can see right through it. That's the idea over here. Shemitah, in some ways, proves the authenticity of Torah. And for that reason, that's given as the example of just like Shemitah was given in all of its details at Harsinai, all the mitzvahs were given in their details at Harsinai. And just like Shemitah came from the Almighty, all the other mitzvahs came from the same source also. None of it was written by any human being, it was only given over to the Jewish people by the Almighty, by God. You know, it's interesting. The Rambam tells us that the source of our faith, the source of our belief in God, is from the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai, the Sinai experience. In other words, it seems that it's not enough just to see the Shemitah. We have to also have the experience of Har Sinai that's been passed down from generation to generation to generation. Our great-great-grandparents stood together at Mount Sinai, and Hashem, they all, they all received divine revelation at that point in time. And that's the source of our belief. Why is it that we can't just believe in Shemitah? The fact that we see Shemitah is, is that, that, that Hashem instructed us to follow Shemitah, the laws of Shemitah, and the fact that historically it seems that that was always the case. When the Jewish people observed Shemitah, nobody ever came away complaining, I kept the Shemitah, I didn't have anything to eat, I was starving. So why is it that Shemitah is not enough to, us to, to have, have to instruct us and to encourage us in our faith in Hashem? I think we can explain the answer, perhaps, with a little, little story I once heard from a Mordechai Gifter, the Rosh Yeshiva of Tulsi Yeshiva, who heard it from a Mordechai Pargamansky, one of the great Torah giants in the Shiva Tulsi Yeshiva in Lithuania. He was coming to explain a different idea. The Rambam seems to contradict himself. In one place, he says the way to develop belief and love of Hashem is by appreciating nature. By studying nature, we can gain an appreciation and a love for Hashem. Elsewhere, the Rambam brings down the way to achieve love for Hashem is through in-depth study of the Torah. The person sees the beauty, the genius behind Torah, he's filled with a sense of love. Which is the right, which is the right source? Which is the right way to be able to achieve that sense of love for Hashem? So Morgan Pargamansky, Moto Pargamansky, Give a little parable. There are two friends that went to France, went to Paris to see the Louvre. See all the beautiful paintings, the beautiful artwork at the Louvre. And one of them sees a beautiful work by Rembrandt and tells his friend, wow, look at that, look at the beauty, look at the intricacies of that picture. And the fellow, the friend says, nah, it looks like spoiled milk to me. 
spoiled milk. Okay. He takes him to a second piece of art. What about this Van Gogh? How do you, what do you say about that? Look at, look at the, look how the reality of it, look how beautiful. Nah, not impressed. Looks like spoiled milk. He takes a couple other pictures, beautiful pieces of artwork, priceless artwork, and, 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 and admires them. And the friend says to all these pieces of work, nah, looks like spoiled milk. Finally, the first friend takes his friend aside and says, let me see your glasses a second. And he takes off his friend's glasses and he looks inside and he sees they're splattered with spoiled milk. He says, well, no wonder it looks like spoiled milk because your, your glasses are full of spoiled milk. Mutl explained like this. Indeed, the way to be able to achieve and to grow in love of Hashem is to study and appreciation of nature. However, you have to have the right glasses for that. Two people can study nature. One person's inspired and full of the love for Hashem. The other one doesn't see anything godly about it at all. He appreciates the beauty of nature, perhaps, but he doesn't see anything godly about it. The Rambam is telling us, in order to be able to grow in love of Hashem through our study and appreciation of nature, it's important to have the right glasses on. Person has the glasses of Torah. Person has to be steeped in Torah and given a, given a Torah outlook on life, and then he indeed appreciates the love of Hashem. That's the same thing over here regarding Shemitah too. Although Shemitah, indeed, it's something which is fascinating to be able to say that the well, to be able to Hashem promises us, don't worry about it, we'll get through it. But it's not a guarantee that a person will necessarily be recognized will recognize Hashem. There's a famous story in late 50s, in the Shemitah year, there was a, a, a moshav in Israel called Komemiot. I think if I recall correctly, it was the first moshav that observed the Shemitah in the land of Israel, in the state of Israel. And whereas all the other surrounding moshavim and fields would plant and do work their fields during the Shemitah year, in Komemiot they refused to do that. In Komemiot they, they observed the Shemitah properly. It seems that year there was a tremendous outbreak of locust, a locust plague, that literally just devoured most of the crops in the area. And for some, some inexplicable reason, the fields in Komamiya were not harmed whatsoever by these locusts. When the Briskarav heard this story, he said, it's a mitzvah to publicize this story. Everybody should see about the importance of observing Shemitah. There was a young man who was a Balchuva. He grew up on a neighboring kibbutz, and at one point in time, he became much more observant, much more connected to his heritage. When he heard about this story, he went back to his father, who lived in a neighboring kibbutz that was not an observant kibbutz, and said, Abba, did you ever hear this story in the late 50s? You were in the kibbutz at that point in time. Do you remember what happened at that time when there was a when there was an outbreak of locust? The father says, "Certainly, I remember." He said, "Is it true that the that the locust affected all the surrounding areas, but didn't affect Komemiot?" He said, "That is true." So, if that's the case, how I don't understand. How can you be a non-believer if you see something like that happen? Isn't that the biggest greatest proof? So the father told him, "What are you talking about?" Matter of fact, the people of our kibbutz brought us. It took some of us from our kibbutz to the Komiyot and said, see, take a look at those religious Jews. Even the locusts don't want to have any part of them at all. Even the locusts themselves spread all around that they won't touch, they won't touch the, the, the produce in that religious kibbutz. 
here we have something that looking at it through the proper eyes, through the proper proper outlook, could be tremendously inspiring. Yet without the proper outlook, somebody could see the exact same thing and come to the opposite conclusion. That's what the Rambam tells us. Although Shemitah certainly is a shot in the arm and allowing us to be able to see and to appreciate the, the divine authorship of Torah. But nevertheless, we have to turn back to the tradition, the, the, the transmission of Torah from generation to generation about what happened on that mountain 3,300 years ago. That's the source of our faith. Only when we believe in that, then we can turn to the Shemitah and have a greater appreciation of what Shemitah is all about and the divine authorship of Torah. Have a great week, everybody. Ever think about starting your own podcast? The Maverick Podcasting Network makes creating and running your podcast easy and fun. Visit maverickpodcasting.com to get started today.